Thank you for joining us for today's show. You can follow us on Facebook or visit our website at BeatitudesChurch.org. Beatitudes Radio, empowering people to enrich society. It's amazing to me how prevalent and how easy it is to put labels on each other. I possess a wide variety of labels that people use to identify who I am. The other day, I bought a shirt that actually contains one of those labels. Have you ever been with a friend or a family member and they get dressed and they come out and they ask you a question that there's really no safe answer for? Does this shirt make me look fat? Well, I found a shirt that I bought and it says on it, does this shirt make me look bald? But that's one of the labels that people put on me. That bald guy. White, male, bald, tall, minister, father, husband. There's so many different labels that we place upon each other. One that I am proud of. And yet, at the same time, I often find myself wondering if I need to apologize, especially given the context of our society today, is I'm a Christian. But what if you're not a Christian? What if you're not a Muslim? You're not Jewish? You're not Buddhist? What if you're an atheist? Is that a label that you would like not to have? Or is it a part of you that you keep hidden? The majority of Americans disdain atheist, secularist, humanist. They just don't like them. And there's four main reasons why individuals answered the survey in this way. Number one, there is no social stigma when it comes to atheism. There are certain words when it comes to race that we can and cannot say. If you use those words, there's a real good possibility you will lose your job. People will look at you and label you as being prejudiced, a bigot. This applies not only to race, but it applies to religion. Perhaps you, like me, have noticed in the media, and rightly so, this influx of anti-Semitism. We speak out against that. When individuals label and have treated Muslims poorly, 
just because simply they have the label Muslim. We see it in the LGBTQ community, a growing sensitivity, and again, rightly so, because these are individuals that in society have not been the norm. And because they have not been the norm, we have a tendency to push them aside. But it's changed, and it still needs to change. But for 33 million Americans, the change isn't coming for them yet. These are individuals who say they are atheists. They do not believe in God. Now, this is different from individuals who say they are a non-theist or a post-theist. These are individuals who simply do not believe there is a divine being in whatever way you want to imagine it. Reality is, because of that not being a social stigma, you pretty much can say whatever you want about them. There's no peer pressure from society. So that's one reason. The second reason is Americans see atheists as being un-American, unpatriotic. Today, we are seeing a heavy influence between the labels Christian and American. A growing number of individuals want us to believe that to be an American is to be a Christian. Well, if you're not a Christian, that's one thing. But if you're an atheist and you don't even believe in God, well, that's a whole nother thing. At that time, the President of the United States George H.W. Bush was asked a question about atheists, and this was his response. I don't know that atheists should be considered as citizens, nor should they be considered patriots. This is one nation under God. When the President of the United States points at a particular group and says, they aren't even one of us, simply because of what they are able or not able to believe. But it doesn't stop there. There are states in the United States that deny atheists the right to hold an elected position. In South Carolina, their state constitution says the following, no person who denies the existence of a supreme being shall hold any office under this constitution. You are immediately disqualified if you identify as an atheist. Here in Arizona, we elected a woman who identifies as bisexual publicly. 
and we still elected her. But if you want to lose an election, tell them you're an atheist because you are seen as being un-American, unpatriotic. That's the second reason. Third reason is atheists are seen as being immoral. For many religious individuals, Christian, Muslim, Jewish, doesn't matter. For many individuals, they believe the essence of our morality is rooted in religion. It's rooted in God. And so we have a heavy emphasis upon the Ten Commandments. We have a heavy emphasis upon the ethics and the teachings of Jesus. Well, if you don't believe in God, then where is the basis of your morality? If you don't have a little bit of fear that says if you don't do the right things, you might not get an eternal reward, what motivates you to be a good person? What is the roots, the foundation of your values, of your character, of your priorities, or your principles? Well, if it's not based upon some belief that roots in God, well, then you can't be a good person. Even if you say you are, you're probably not. And finally, the reason why atheists are seen as being less than in our society is because we perceive them as being a threat. A threat to what we believe. To sit down at a meal, to have one of your children, one of your family members, bring an atheist home for Thanksgiving is seen as a threat because, first of all, we don't talk about religion very often. But to have someone there who just might point out some of the weaknesses of our beliefs, to have someone there who might be able to say, perhaps that wasn't God. We don't want that. We will avoid it because to be challenged in what you believe, that kind of threat is very difficult for people. But I want to share with you today, and I don't do this very often as you are aware, but I do not believe that atheists are the enemies of religious individuals. They are not our enemies. In fact, there is a lot that we can learn that will make us better Christians, better Muslims, better Buddhists, better sheiks, That we can learn from atheists. And one in particular I want to focus on just briefly this morning is that atheists 
can teach us how to be skeptics. I don't know if we like that word, skeptic. You, you see, the word skeptic is someone who looks at something, examines it, sees its strengths and weaknesses, and it approaches that belief, that dogma, those ideas with an element of doubt. For example, Chevy's are the best car ever made. And don't you laugh. Now, if you drive a Mazda, a Toyota, or a Ford, eh, you're le you know, I feel sorry for you. No. But you might want to question me after church and ask me, why do I believe, and I don't, but why would you, I believe that Chevys are the best vehicle out on the road? And we could even have a discussion. We could have a dialogue about that. But the person who doubts that statement, I could either see as a threat or an asset, someone that would help me see something a little bit different from a different perspective, a different angle. And that is the value of atheists in our society. The challenge, however, is that the majority of atheists aren't around religious people. Think about it. You may have someone that you work with that is an atheist. There's a really good possibility you don't know who they are because they may not be comfortable disclosing that information not only to you, but to anyone out of fear of being treated different. But an atheist has the possibility of encouraging us to re-examine our beliefs. Back in the 80s, there was a huge movement in Christianity focusing upon seekers. We had seeker churches, seeker-friendly, individuals who were seeking an answer about life, a meaning in life. And churches put themselves out there as being a place where seekers were welcome. Why? Why would you be welcome there? Because they had what you were looking for. The reality was that once you joined one of these churches, you were no longer a seeker. You were no longer seeking. You were persevering to remain true in what it is you believed, what you were told and which you acknowledged, to remain strong to that, to not waver from that, and not doubt. No, don't doubt it. There was a minister who lived in the late 1800s and lived until 1976. He was pastoring a church over in London. 
And he wrote a book entitled The Christian Agnostic. And in there, he said the following. No honest mind can exclude doubt or ignore criticism or shut its ears against reason. And if we could do these things, we should be left not with faith, but with a head in the sand superstition. This was a minister, a Christian minister who wrote this, who saw the value of always re-examining our beliefs. That's not easy. You, you see, life is far more comfortable if we can just kind of coast through. I don't know about you, but there are times where there are particular areas of my life where I just want to set the cruise control and just let it drive. But if you know someone who is an atheist, and if you are willing to have a conversation with them about why they are an atheist, there's a real possibility that your beliefs will be challenged. Is that good? Is it bad? There was another minister who ended up leaving Christianity. But yet he still wanted to be a voice within Christian churches. And so he coined the term, the loftest outsider test for faith. Well, his name was Loftus but it was the loftest outsider test for faith, and this is what it is. The only way to rationally test one's culturally adopted religious faith is from a perspective of an outsider, a non-believer, with the same level of reasonable skepticism believers already use when examining the other religious face that they reject. Well, that idea right there is what got me in trouble. I used to be a professor at a very conservative fundamental college. And the two complaints that would come my direction would be, number one, give the students the answer. We want you to teach critical thinking, but at the end of the day, give them the answer. Well, again, understand what I taught. I taught religion. 
Give them the answer. The second thing that I used to tell my students that eventually got me in trouble was that I said, when you talk to someone else about Christianity or your expression of Christianity, before you tell them about what you believe, be willing to listen to what they believe or what they don't believe with the same openness that you would want them to have toward you. That's hard. It's so much easier to stand firm and rooted in what you believe and not allow doubt to blow into your life. But here's the reality. Today, there is a growing number of individuals who are identifying as non-religious. More and more are coming out of the closet. That 33 million I, number I gave you, that was based upon a survey done back in 2017. Five years has transpired from then. More and more individuals are willing to publicly declare, I do not believe in a God. Or they're identifying as agnostics and saying, I'm not sure there's a God. The number of individuals who are belonging to Christian churches is continuing to decline. So my concern is what happens to churches like ours? Where are we going to be five years from now, ten years from now? If more and more people are walking away from Christianity, what is the future of what we have? And what are we willing to do to maintain what we have? So with that in mind, I have a question that I want to ask you to ponder this week. I do not know the answer. Surprise. But here's the question. When we say in the United Church of Christ, no matter who you are or where you are on life's journey, you are welcome in this sacred place. Do we include atheists and agnostics? Are we welcoming of Christian atheists? And that is a thing. I brought this book over to show you that it is a thing. There's a book 
that I have read through and, and thoroughly enjoyed. It's called Confessions of a, sac- of a Secular Jesus Follower. The man who wrote this is now the cha- chaplain. He's an atheist. He's a chaplain at Harvard. The head chaplain of all of the chaplains. He's the secular chaplain. And when you read this book, you'll find in here incredible insights into the Gospels and the teachings of Jesus from a secularist. There's a growing number of people who identify, who have the label Christian atheist, Christian agnostic. So my question for you today, are they welcome here? And to what degree will we accommodate them? Will our motto be, don't ask, don't tell? Or will we want to engage them and to learn and to grow in strength around our own beliefs and convictions? to not be afraid to ask the tough questions. Because, folks, if we're not asking them, other people are. I believe in the value of Christianity, and I believe in the value of Christian communities in our society, and I don't want them to go away. But if we don't rethink what it means to be a Christian community today and who is truly welcome, we may no longer be able to have the impact, the positive impact that we can in our communities. There's a challenge. And I believe churches like this can rise to the occasion and answer those challenges. I hope you will join me. And imagine, imagine a place where someone has the freedom to say, I don't know if there's a heaven. I don't know if there's a hell. But I can imagine a place where we all can respect and care for one another. Amen. Thank you for joining us for today's show. You can help us to continue this program by making your donations at BeatitudesChurch.org backslash online dash giving. Beatitudes Radio empowering people to enrich society.